This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. It is championship weekend in the National Football League. That is what we are going to spend the most of, uh, well, most of the next hour discussing. We get two games coming up on Sunday. The early game, the Chiefs and the Ravens. The winner goes to the Super Bowl to face the winner of the Lions and the San Francisco 49ers. I can't, it still feels very weird. And if you think it's weird here in Des Moines or wherever you might be streaming us on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, if you think it feels weird here, let's go to Detroit right now. Where my man Jeff Rieger from 97.1 The Ticket, the flagship of the Detroit Lions in the city of Detroit is with us while he's getting a 77-inch television installed because he makes that big Detroit radio money. Uh, Rieger, good to talk to you. How insane is the Motor City right now? Wicked, baby. How are you? Uh, it's uh, it's like nothing you've ever thought it would be. Here's the deal, and you know this, right? Being from Detroit, you know, the Wings, the Pistons, the Tigers, depending on how old you are, you've seen championships. But what we've always wanted was the Lions to be good, just to be good. Like, it was always about, can you get us a playoff win? Other cities get playoff wins, and they're like, okay, whatever, no big deal. Like, the Giants <laughs> beat Minnesota last year. They're like, all right, whatever, who cares? It doesn't matter. It's one playoff win. Here in Detroit, we're going bonkers because you beat Matthew Stafford in the first round, took out Baker Mayfield in the second round. But it's like nothing we've ever thought it could be. Like, we've been brainwashed. We can't go to the Super Bowl. I think every Detroiter wicket has a fantasy. I know I have mine. Like, if the Lions were ever to make a Super Bowl, how would you watch it? I would be in total seclusion. I'd go to, like, the casino the night before because I knew I couldn't sleep. Then I would set 15 alarms. I would watch it by myself. I think every Lions fan has a plan, but they never would thought they were going to use it because it's not real. It's never going to happen. Be 60 minutes away from it is it's often insane. It really is. Talking to Jeff Rieger from 97.1 The Ticket, flagship of the Detroit Lions, joining us from Detroit here on ESPN Des Moines. Um, I was in Detroit for Thanksgiving when the Green Bay Packers went and won on on Thanksgiving. And and the next morning, I'm driving around going to get like milk for my kids or something like that. (laughs) And I turn on your radio station and I turn on and I hear you taking phone calls from Lions fans the day after the national embarrassment that was losing to Jordan Love and the Packers. And I listened for a solid hour. And this Thank was, you. This was, absolutely, I drive it. I was like, my man Rieger, I got to listen to my guy. The sentiment from every Lions fan, and kind of from you as well, was this team isn't ready to get to a Super Bowl. Team, everything was I mean, a one loss to the Packers and the next five games didn't matter because Brad Holmes didn't build the right team because Jared Goff's not the right team. It was doom and gloom on Black Friday. Lo and behold, here we are. What has changed in everybody's mind since Thanksgiving? Well, first of all, are you new? <laughs> like, we, don't, 
We don't handle losses. See, this is a different thing. I had this crazy revelation. I, I was at the game, I think it was against Tampa Bay, and I'm walking through the locker room, and I'm looking around. I'm like, these guys are 60 minutes away from a Super Bowl. But there wasn't, like, some obscene amount of celebrating. There wasn't some sense of, like, we've arrived. There was this sense of, like, yeah, we thought we were going to win the game. Like, yeah, we're a good football team. Like, yeah, we get paid to do this. And then it hit me, Wicket. It hit me. The revelation of my life. It's only us Lions fans that are mentally screwed by having been <laughs> Lions fans over the course of our life. No, seriously, listen to me for a second. Because it's true. It's true. The first sign of adversity, we're throwing our remotes, we're saying same old Lions. Uh, uh, unbelievable. And I'm sure we're going to be doing it on Sunday. Like, we're, we're programmed to react that way. But, like, Dan Campbell openly is using the word Super Bowl, and it's just so weird because – like, he's built a culture, and they are different without a doubt. I also think, like, whatever he's done, I don't know how he's done it. Like, no other Lions coach has ever had this success, much less ever got another job. Dan Campbell is 60 minutes away from a Super Bowl. He somehow built this culture, 28 straight games. They don't have a single losing skid in that span. Every time they lose, they start a new winning streak, and the offense has been damn near unstoppable. And the defense, at times, it's a horror show, but they don't really allow touchdowns. They hold you to field goals. So, like, what's changed is that regime. Like, they're a really good football team, and it's weird because if you look at, like, the Vegas odds, like, the, believe it or not, the Niners are the best favorite right now. And then it goes Ravens, then it goes Chiefs, and then there is the Lions at plus 700, right? So, like, nobody believes in the Lions. Nobody really – I mean, I'm sure they're rooting for them, but nobody really thinks they can do this. And it's starting to feel more and more like they can if you're around here long enough over this last year here. You know, the big story in this one from a Lions perspective is, is Jared Goff. I mean, beating Stafford and the Rams last week. Oh, yeah. What an awesome, awesome, or two weeks ago, awesome moment. Has a good game against uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, if Tampa doesn't drop a couple of balls there, that could be a different story. But it didn't. I'll be right. It's football. It happens. But the numbers on indoor versus outdoor have to be. those. They have to be this big discussion point with you guys over there. Outdoors completing over 70% of his passes, 28 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio this year. I'm sorry, indoors, 70%, yes. 28 8. Outdoors, 63% and a 5 to 4 touchdown ratio, including the blowout loss to the Ravens and losing at Soldier Field. Like, how concerning is this? All right, so I got to be a little bit of a slappy, I guess. That's okay. I expect it. I've seen you cut yourself and Honolulu Blue pours out. I get it. I'm a brand new Lions fan. Forget the same old Lions. (laughs) To be fair, like, yes, the the splits home and road, indoor, outdoor, they're a little staggering. Temperature is going to be 64 degrees and sunny, so I don't know if Jared will struggle that much. Here's the deal, though. With as bad as it is, and you look at those stats and they're not good, they still went to Lambeau in the frigid cold last year. And Goff had a really good game, and they knocked the Packers out from the the playoffs. They went to New York twice last year in the frigid cold, and they beat the Jets, and they beat the Giants. You know, this year they went to Tampa Bay, but they also went to Baltimore and got smoked. And, yeah, they lost in Chicago. Probably their worst game, like, literally of the season, maybe of the last three seasons. But, yeah, I think people are worried about that a little bit. But I think the game plan for Sunday is as – Simple as it sounds, you got to run the football. Like, 
if you look at this Niners defense, they're really good up front. Their top seven, front seven, are really good. They can get to your quarterback as well. But their one issue where they're not as good is if you run outside the tackles. They are some of the worst defenses in football. You're talking anywhere from different categories, from 25 to 29. You look at Jameer Gibbs, the Lions running back 1,000 yards this year. He is top three in running outside of the tackles. So what I think and the game plan is you keep the ball out of Jared Goff's hands. If he has to throw the ball 40 times, that means you're behind and you're probably losing the football game. Lions haven't been behind all playoff long. I think what you want to do is you want to go on those long, soul-sucking drives, 75 yards like they've done the last two games, keep Purdy and the uh, Niners offense off the field, and hopefully you have success running the football. That, to me, is the only way you run, uh, you win. The other thing, too, by the way, is crazy stat. When Christian McCaffrey runs for 75 or more yards, Niners are 11-1. and one. The good news for the Lions, however, is the most they've given up to a running back all season long in a game is 61 yards. Happened twice. Right, So if you find a way to stop the run and run the football, I think you can win the football game. Oh, man, spoken like a man of the old black and blue NFC Central right here. That's Jeff Rieger, right. Jeff Rieger from right. 97.1, the ticket in Detroit, flagship of the Detroit Lions, joining us here on ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett, and we are getting ready for Lions and Niners. It's the second game on Championship Sunday. You, know, you, you watch what Green Bay did to San Francisco in their losing effort Aaron Jones was the first guy to go over 100 in 51 games. So I I think I agree with you. I think a combination of Montgomery and Gibbs is the healthy answer to get points on the board and to keep that Niners offense on the board. Other side of the ball, though, the team that gives up the biggest, the most explosive plays in the NFL (laughs) happens to be the Detroit Lions. Now, Rieger, the team that has the most explosive plays in the NFL happens to be the San Francisco 49ers. If this becomes a game where Kittle and Ayuk and if Debo go, goes and, and Purdy's just got to drop some dimes in there, this game could get up in the 20s, 30s, and that spells doom for Detroit. I mean, you're being very negative, Michael, and I personally don't, admit, I don't appreciate it. I feel like it. I'm being quite objective here, actually, Rieger. <laughs> you're bringing down my buzz. And listen, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I mean, Cam Sutton has been torched the last five games. Justin Jefferson, uh, C.D. Lamb, Puka Nakua, Mike Evans just got 157, I think the number was. The Lions have had this tendency, though. And listen, it's not perfect by any means. They're going to give up yards, but they keep you out of the end zone. If you look at how many points they've allowed in November, it was right around 27, 28 a game. They found a way to bring it down in December and January to allowing about 21 a game. You allow 21 to the Niners, I think you win the football game, I do, because the Lions offense is pretty potent, despite Jared Goff at times struggling outside. But here's how I think you win the football game defensively. Number one, I think it all comes down to your pass rush. Aiden Hutchinson's got eight sacks over the last five games. He's going against the right tackle in this game that has given up the most sacks of any Niners alignment over 10. So hopefully you find a way to get to Brock Purdy and you make him uncomfortable, something the Packers, I feel, were able to do. So I think you got to find a way to get to the quarterback. As far as stopping the pass, They're screwed. I mean, that's it. You, you, you make sure, make sure to play some pretty good red zone defense. Like, I don't disagree with you there. But over the last couple weeks, like even over the last five weeks, 
Like, go back and look at it. They've given up right around 20 points, 21 points. They went into Dallas. Dallas was averaging 40 points a game at home. Lions held them to 20, right? So you find a way to make a team settle for field goals instead of touchdowns, and and I do think you have a chance. Like, if you look at the scoring defenses that are left in this Final Four, the Ravens are number one. They allow, like, I don't know, 15 points a game. The Chiefs are number two. They allow 16 points a game. The Niners are number three. They allow 17 and a half points a game. Then there's the Lions. They're 24th. So it's like one, two, and three, best in the game. And then there's the Lions at 24. Like one of these things don't look like the other. So (laughs) even though I do think the Lions can win the football game, I do. There is a certain part of me that is scared as bleep that they get blown out. Like Skip Bayless. I know we all respect Skip. Oh, yeah. You're a stand-up guy, real pillar of the sports broadcasting community. Like, who doesn't respect that guy? Right. right? A guy we all want to be like. Right. He went on Twitter and said, congratulations, Zion. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, despite being a seven-point spread, which is a big spread in the NFL. I think the Lions find a way to survive it. Maybe you don't win the football game, but you are right. I mean, yes, San Francisco will get theirs, just like L.A. got theirs and Tampa Bay got theirs and Minnesota got theirs and, you know, Dallas got theirs. I feel I'm missing one, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Talking to Jeff Rieger from the flagship of the Detroit Lions, 97 won the ticket in Detroit. My name is Mike Wicked here on ESPN Des Moines. A couple of more minutes. Um, If the Lions lose, and I don't know if they're going to win, they're going to lose. I think the number is really big, six and a half, seven, seven and a half, whatever it is. If the Lions lose, is this... Everybody's going to want to say it's a fail of a season, a success of a season. What will the feeling be about Detroit and the Lions in the city if they go to San Francisco and lose, say, by five? I think it's a great season. I think it's an awesome season. Now, now we did have some disagreement last week before the Bucks game. Like, you got the gift of a lifetime. You got another home playoff game. So you went 30 years without getting a home playoff game. You went 32 years without winning a playoff game. And then in one season, you beat Matthew Stafford and the Rams in a home playoff game. And then you got another one. It's almost like the NFL forgot Detroit's birthday for 30 straight years. And they made up for it (laughs) by giving them another home playoff game, right? So I do think that there were some fans that thought before last week's game that it was house money. Like, we're just happy we won our playoff game. We're good. There were other fans and media people like me that are like, no, dude, you're giving a gift. You cannot lose as a six-point favorite or a five-point favorite, whatever they were last year, or last week, rather. So I didn't think you could lose that game and come away from the season feeling good about yourself. But if you lose to the one seed on the road, like you say, you cover by five, which means it's dramatic, it's close, you kind of feel you're in striking distance, I think it's a great season. I think it's a great season. Now, if you get your ass kicked and you lose by 30 like you did to the Ravens, then you might have to reassess. But I I think the fans of Detroit will be like unreal season and we're just getting started, despite there being no guarantee that you get back here. Right. Well, yeah. Ask ask Barry Sanders about that. Ask any of those those Lions teams. Um, As Wayne Fonts about it. Exactly. 2024, not looking past this game, but 2024 – with the surprise that is happening in Green Bay, if Kirk comes back to Minnesota, the Bears are a joke. But this could be the best division in all of the National Football League if the Lions, Packers, and Vikings live up to it. Like This could be really fun next year. 
I mean, I don't know how you discount Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers and you think AFC West. I mean, come on. No, but yes, <laughs> yes, I would agree. I mean, if Cousins goes back to the Vikings, I think they're going to be a very tough team. They're an older team, but you saw how tough they were, even with Nick Mullins, right? They were in it until the very end. They still had a chance the last game of the season to go to the postseason. Everything had to fall their way. The odds were stacked against them, but I agree with you. And then Green Bay, like, it's amazing. Like, if they could only find a quarterback, they'd be good, right? <laughs> like, my God, from Favre to Rodgers and now, yeah, to Jordan Love as well, despite making that awful pass to end in a pick in that Niners game last Saturday. But I, I do agree with you, and that's why Sunday is so important. That's why this season is so important. you got to make the best of it. There's no such thing as house money. Like, you don't want to lose. It's going to be tough to win. But – there's no guarantee you're getting back here. Our football- so that's why, and, and, and that's exactly what you're saying as well. The division's going to be tougher. The NFC is going to be tougher. You're going to have a first place schedule. That's why I, I do believe, despite the fact that a lot of fans are going to say, oh my God, I'm just so happy already that you're here. You got to take advantage because these opportunities don't come along very often. Do people in Southeastern Michigan feel greedy after the Wolverines just won the national championship and now the Lions could go to the Super Bowl? I think the Spartan fans do, yes. I mean, the Spartan fans are like, what the hell do we get out of this deal? But, no, no we get absolutely. Like, come on. Like, uh, you cannot hold it against us that we won the natty in football so we shouldn't be allowed to go to the Super Bowl in football either, right? I, I do think, but it's been unreal. It really has. And, like, the Red Wings are even playing better now. I mean, the Pistons have five wins, so whatever. Yeah, um, yeah they're going to win the lottery after Wembenyama. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's not a single guy that you want to take first overall. No. But, but yes, yes, I, I think I think most Detroiters are like, I think most Detroiters are like, dude, we're just happy. We're not a joke anymore. We're just happy. Like, like it's almost like the kids at school. Like you've been through this week, and I know it. Like I've been through this. You finally, like back in my day, I'll use a my day example. Oh my god, like all the cool old. kids had Z Cavaricis. Do you remember the Z Cavaricis? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were very expensive. My mother would never buy me a pair of Z Cavaricis. I had the phony, the fake ones, right? So I never felt like the in crowd. Seven years later, here comes a Jeff Rieger with Z Cavaricis. Mind you, they were on discount and clearance because they weren't popular anymore. But, like, I did feel like, wow, kind of a cool kid now. It's kind of like Lions fans. They've been so sick of being a national embarrassment for such a long time. They went 0-16, always getting screwed by the NFL. I think most Lions fans are just like, we're just happy to be good, and that's enough for us. Well, there's other fans that are like, dude, no, 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 no. Snap out of it. You have to win this game because if you don't, nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, it's true. Nobody's going to remember who lost the NFC Championship game five years from now. You'll be like, well, we got there, and you had two playoff wins. Which is great, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah, people are going to have to look it up. Exactly. And, and nobody remembers that you at one point at Z Cabaricis either. <laughs> Rieger, enjoy your brand new 77-inch TV that you're getting installed right now. Uh, thank you for coming on, and I hope you get some sleep on Saturday night leading up to the big one on Sunday. Mike, always good to talk to you, my friend. Uh, if they win this game, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Just think about it. Lions and Super Bowl, we could finally say in the same sentence without somebody laughing at you. I mean, that's a big step. It just sounds so weird. Rieger, appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, talk to you soon. Good luck. See you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Jeff, Jeff Rieger from 97 won the ticket, the flagship station 
of the Detroit Lions in the Motor City joining us here on ESPN Des Moines. That city has fired the bleep up, I'm telling you. And they're still riding high in that part of the state after Michigan won the Natty over Washington, and now it's just been rolling into the NFL playoffs and the big one coming up on Sunday against the Niners. I love the exchange between one of the uh, Detroit reporters and Jared Goff. You're going to want to hear it. It's pretty funny. Plus, some national writers, some national radio people, not giving a lot of love to Detroit in this one. We'll continue on here on ESPN Des Moines next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. Thanks again to Jeff Rieger for joining us from ninety seven one The Ticket, the flagship of the Lions. That last segment, if you missed it and you want to hear more Lions talk, it'll be up at ESPNDesMoines.com after the show. Coming up, still have to get to uh, why in the world no one's hired Bill Belichick. Why the Falcons zigged when everybody else zagged. But I do want to get a little bit more on Detroit and San Francisco because again. When you are talking about a franchise who has been as bad as Detroit has been, the fact that they are on the doorstep to the Super Bowl is just absolutely incredible. And if and I was talking with Jeff right there right before the break about how good the NFC North is going to be coming up next year because you expect Jordan Love to get better. I think Kirk Cousins comes back for like a two-year deal. They draft his replacement, kind of like what Green Bay has been going through, and then you know, Kirk rides off into whatever sunset he wants to ride off into. So if you don't get to the Super Bowl this year, there's definitely no guarantee you get back. I mean, ask Aaron Rodgers. He got to one, and everyone says his career was wasted. I mean, ask Barry Sanders. He got close once, and then the team absolutely fell apart. I recommend watching the uh, documentary about Barry Sanders, if you get a chance, over on, uh, I think it's on Prime, called Bye Bye Barry. I think it's on Prime. It's awesome. It's it's just great. Um, so there's no guarantee you get back here. Meanwhile, here are the Niners in like their fourth NFC championship game in five years. Uh, you know, Mahomes is playing in his sixth AFC uh, a sixth straight AFC championship game. He's never not played since he's been a starter. He's never not played in the AFC championship game. But for Detroit, monumental task going on the road to the number one seed to San Francisco, a team whose strengths exploit your team's weaknesses and a little bit of vice versa, but I think it's much more one-sided. There's a reason why San Francisco is the six and a half, seven, seven and a half point favorite, whatever book you're looking at right now. That's there's a reason why. I mean, they have an MVP candidate in the backfield behind a guy under center who is also an MVP candidate. Your five finalists, two of them are Niners, McCaffrey and Purdy. And I know some people don't buy into Brock Purdy being a great quarterback, but he had a great year. Didn't have a great game last week against Green Bay, but had a very, very good year and is worthy of being in consideration for the MVP. It's going to be Lamar. I've made my my case why it should be Christian McCaffrey. That was on last week's show, ESPNDesMoines.com. But here comes Jared Goff. He is from that part of the country. He spent the beginning of his uh, NFL career in L.A. with the Rams. Before that, he was at Cal. Like, this dude is West Coast. Gets traded, plays pretty well. This year plays very well, and that offense is humming along, right? And I love this conversation between he and one of the members of 
the Detroit media. Now, the, the basis of the media of the media members' question is: the Niners have a bunch of stars, and you guys don't. But I love the way Goff and this guy kind of go back and forth. You guys got a lot of got a lot of really good players, obviously. But maybe oh, thank you. Okay. I said thank you. You are. Maybe that view, though, as the superstars, like hey, the 49ers have. Yeah, All right, never mind. <laughs> 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 but I guys like St. Brown and getting you. Yep, St. Brown was first team All Pro, so. Right, right. Um, so was Panay. <laughs> sorry, continue. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Absolutely, but do you feel like. There, this is a chance for more. Yeah, I know. I know what you're. I know what you're getting at. Yes, I, I do. I think. I think we've got a lot of ton of ton of great players who maybe haven't had the the national stage that up to this point um, that a lot of a lot of other guys have, and obviously they have a ton of good players as well, and, and a ton of Pro Bowlers and All Pro players over there. And um, it's it, yeah, we, we feel like you know we've got a lot of good players too, though, like you mentioned, and um, excited to play on another national stage and, and be able to showcase that. I didn't miss any, did I? No, you got it. All good. <laughs> Let me play the beginning of that again for those that missed it on the stream. Listen to, to Woj, uh, one of the writers from uh, Detroit, and Jared Goff discuss the players that are on Detroit versus the players that are on San Francisco. Jared Goff's got a lot of, got a lot of really good players, obviously. But maybe oh, thank you. Okay. I said thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> maybe that view, though, as the superstars, like the 49ers have. All right, never mind. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, guys like St. Brown and getting you. Yep, St. Brown was first team All Pro, so. Right, right. Um, so was Panay. <laughs> sorry, continue. I'm sorry. I'm you sorry. get the idea. All right. Okay, but you get the idea. I mean, the Lions are a really good team. And when you have two guys on the All Pro team, and they drafted Panay Sewell a couple of years ago, and I'm on Ron St. Brown, came out of nowhere and shocked everybody. I mean, nobody was really like, oh man, you got to check out this rookie three years ago. You got to hear about this dude, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Everybody knew his name was long, and he was uh, the brother to Equinemius St. Brown, who played for Green Bay. Like, that's really all you knew. And then he has exploded. Over 100 catches, I think, the last three years. If not, definitely the last two years. And he's been an absolute stud. He's Jared Goff's favorite target. But on the other side of the football is the defense, all right? I want you to hear from ESPN's Dan Graziano, because he, I, I really subscribe to this. When you are the worst team in the NFL, when it comes to explosive you know, defending explosive plays. And the team you're facing is number one. That puts a lot of stress trying to defend all of those explosive plays when you're on defense. I still think they're in trouble anyway, even if they can limit the amount of time San Francisco spends on the field. Highest explosive pass play rate in the NFL this year is the 49ers. Highest explosive pass, pass play rate allowed this year is the oh, Lions. Are you saying that's a bad that's matchup? Kind of a bad matchup <laughs> if you're the Lions. And, look, make fight. and the other thing is, you talk about how Green Bay got after him, it was pouring rain. The weather forecast for Sunday in Santa Clara, California is spectacular. Yeah. Like, I shed a tear after two weekends in a row in Buffalo. <laughs> I saw the forecast, and I was like, I don't need, I got to go. I'm going to have to dig through my. I don't know where he's going to have to dig through, but he's going to have to find his stuff. Here's the way this always seems to work, right? On paper, what Graziano is saying is that the Lions don't defend the big plays very well. And on paper, San Francisco always throws the ball all over the yard and has huge plays on these defenses. Why does it always seem that when analysts are talking about this and guys like me are talking about this, out of nowhere, the Niners are going to have one big play. Like, it always seems like, and if listen, 
if I know it, and if Graziano knows it, and if you're listening right now and you know it, there's a real good chance Dan Campbell and Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson know it, and Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn know it, all right? So if the, if Glenn and Campbell are looking at this saying, dude, we got to stop the big play. We got to stop Kittle from picking up 45-yard touchdowns. We got to stop Debo on the outside or coming across the middle. We've got to figure... Like, it always seems to work where the most glaring stat where a team suffers or struggles, it always just feels like, come game time, coaches have figured out a way to slow it down. Now, will Detroit be able to slow that down? I don't know. If I'm San Francisco and I'm Kyle Shanahan, and I think we all could agree Kyle Shanahan's a darn good coach, I think you're looking at ways to exploit Detroit's defense the same way that Baltimore did, the same way Green Bay did in their second game on Thanksgiving, the same way that, heck, Tampa Bay did it last week. Or in the first half, the Rams did it two weeks ago. So if you are San Francisco and the weather is perfect and it's not going to be a rainstorm like it was last week when the Packers were in town, don't you take shot after shot after shot after shot trying to get the deep ball plays over the middle and get big, huge chunk plays? Anything over, what, 20 yards is considered a big-time play? Like that, that, to me, is the way to beat Detroit. Don't try to bash your head in. With Christian McCaffrey, who I think is the MVP, if it's not working up the gut, throw the ball over the middle. Play action. That's the way it's going to work. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if George Kittle has one of those monster games. Those, like, 10-catch, 175-yard, two- or three-touchdown games because he's just such a monster who can wreak havoc in the, the secondary of the Detroit Lions. And if you go back to last week and you watch, and I was crushed in that fourth quarter when they came all the way back. But if you watch that game for three quarters, maybe three and a half quarters, heck, maybe all of the game except the final Niners drive. Sorry, Iowa State fan. Brock Purdy was terrible. Brock Purdy was bad in that football game. Missing guys, bad throws, short throws, had a pick six that got dropped by Darnell Savage, should have gone the other way. Packers should have eliminated San Francisco, this game should be Packers-Lions at Ford Field. But it's not because it's football. That's what happens. But Purdy was bad up until that final drive when he was good. ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum does not expect Purdy to be that rusty again. Brock Purdy, something was off. Like we talked about him wiping his hand in the middle of the play. Some of his throws, they won with their B game. To me, that's the sign of greatness. Like, I expect them to play much better. Like, candidly, I think as much as I love Detroit, Detroit's secondary isn't good. Like, I think this is a 10-point win. Mm. On paper, I don't think this is a good matchup for the Lions defense. I I think that's a pretty simple thing to say. I don't think this is a good matchup for the Lions defense. Yeah, I don't think anybody thinks this is a great matchup for the Lions defense. Can they step up? Can they get Purdy off his mark? Can they get Purdy to throw picks like he did against the Ravens defense when they pressured him? Can they get Purdy to be off his game like Green Bay did? And Green Bay doesn't blitz a whole heck of a lot. They rush with four most of the time. Can the Lions, can Hutchinson, can everybody else on that defense, can they get to Purdy, get him into mistakes, snowball that into six, seven points the other way? That's going to be the key to this game. Detroit's ability to run the ball and Detroit's ability to limit Brock Purdy from making big throws. Coming up on the other side, we're going to get to why does nobody want Bill Belichick? I'll tell you why next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 
1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Tomorrow, we have a hoops double header for you right here on ESPN Des Moines. Early, I think 1230. We've got uh, North Carolina and Florida State. Number four, Tar Heels taking on the uh, Seminoles in the ACC. And then afterwards, we have Drake basketball taking on, is it? Because I know the, the women are over on Hope 940 against Illinois State or Southern. And then Northern is playing as well. Can I, let me see. I should probably have done this before we came back from break. Thank you very much. Uh, Drake versus Northern, the men, right here on ESPN Des Moines tomorrow, 430. And then the Drake women against Illinois State. That is over on Hope 940 AM. So get your Bulldog fix right here, your hoop fix tomorrow. It's going to be weird, right? The last two Saturdays, we've had a pair of football games each day. And now tomorrow is going to feel football empty. And it's going to be all college basketball or NBA or hockey or whatever it is as we all are just playing the waiting game to get to championship Sunday. And I am one of these people. And I know I'm in the minority here. I would rather have one game Saturday, one game Sunday. But the TV networks dictate that you will watch football on Sunday whenever possible, uh, especially for the championship game. So I would prefer we get like the AFC game tomorrow and the NFC game coming up on Sunday, but I won't be upset on Sunday when I wake up and it's like, oh, we have two football games to watch today, which is going to be great. We'll get to Kansas City and Baltimore coming up in just a bit. But first... Nobody wants Bill Belichick. And that is so weird to say. But I get it. But I understand it. We got, what, two jobs left in the National Football League? Two current open jobs right now in the NFL? The Seahawks job and the Commander's job. And most of the people believe that Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson is going to get that Commander's job. And I've seen Aaron Glenn linked to that too, Lions defensive coordinator, which is so weird to say that both Lions coordinators, <laughs> two days before they're in the NFC Championship game, are getting looks to get other jobs. That never happens. But Bill Belichick, the guy with six Super Bowls, sitting around with no job offer, at least no concrete job offer, as we sit right now. He was really linked hard to the Falcons. They went with Raheem Morris which is a strange hire. The Falcons already had a top 11 or 12 defense. And now you get the Rams defensive coordinator to come in, which I always find strange when in an era of NFL football, where offense matters, the Shanahan tree is starting to dominate the league, throwing the ball all around the yard. Andy Reid, look at the four coaches we have in the NFC and AFC championship games. I mean, okay, Dan Campbell's a defense dude, but... You know, he's a gritty... I don't even think you look at Dan Campbell as a great play caller, right? That's Ben Johnson's job. But the Lions, the Niners, the Chiefs, and the Ravens, they're all here because they're offense, right? Like, you, you think about Kyle Shanahan, you think about Andy Reid, you think about what Todd Munkin has done with the MVP of the league, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and then what other teams got here? Well, Sean McVay, young offense. Matt LaFleur, young offense. What other coaches got to the postseason? Teams that can get the ball up and down the field, right? And then the Falcons decide they're going to go with Raheem Morris. It's, it's an interesting zig when everybody else is zagging kind of strategy, and we'll see if it works. But I got to imagine if you're Kyle Pitts, you're Drake London, you're B. John Robinson, you're like, great. <laughs> we just went through this. 
Arthur Smith was a bust of a hire. We need an offensive guy. So it'll be interesting to see. And I don't know who his offensive coordinator is, if he's made that decision yet, but Morris is the guy over there and not Bill Belichick. I believe, I believe Bill Belichick doesn't work in the NFL these days. He is 29 and 38 without Tom Brady. This year, I think they won four games picking in the top five. New England picking in the top five. I believe the angry, what my old co-host used to call red ass, the old school grumpy NFL coach, I don't think that connects well with NFL players today. I really don't. Here's ESPN's Ryan Clark. And does any of us think that when you sit and have a meeting with Bill Belichick, you are wowed by his personality and his ability to connect? So if it's just not that you're worried about history or that you're worried about resume or that you're trophy case watching, he ain't the dude. And I think that the day it happened, Adam Schefter said that the Atlanta Falcons could be players for Bill Belichick, which said to me it was Bill Belichick's job to lose. Well, guess what? He lost it. That's what happened here. They sat in front of him and they realized he wasn't the right. So are you saying he's not as good as we all thought he was? No, because you don't win if you're not that good. He was as good as we all thought he was when he was as good as we all thought he was. That ain't today. It's not like if Bill Belichick was this great coach in 2024 because I think it had more to do with Brady and maybe Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator but I think it had more to do with Brady than it did with Belichick and I got another example to prove why sometimes we put way too much stock in these coaches I'll get to that in a minute but part of me is starting to believe that Bill Belichick while he has six Super Bowls and you cannot take that away from him he is the GOAT in 2024 I don't think players like Clark is saying sit down and say that's the guy I want in my locker room and the players shouldn't have all the say. Obviously, the GM and ownership and all that kind of stuff, all that that's what really matters. But you look around. Jobs are going away. Opportunities are going away. The Commanders and the Seahawks. And does any, do either of those jobs that are still out there, do those feel like Bill Belichick jobs? Belichick was going to be the Cowboys head coach, I thought, the day after they lost to Green Bay. I thought, all right, fine. He's going to go to L.A. He's got his quarterback like he had in New England. He's got Herbert. He's going to turn that team into a, he's going to mold that team and that defense after Brandon Staley completely ruined them and make the Chargers a a, a competitive team. Nobody's picking up on Bill Belichick. ESPN's Adam Schefter. There is no indication that Bill Belichick is going to land one of these head coaching jobs. Now, something could change. There always could be a team that all of a sudden, unexpectedly, makes a coaching move, which we're not anticipating. Maybe one of these two openings comes to him. We're not anticipating that. Maybe after the season, Andy Reid walks away. There's been speculation about that. Who knows how that will happen? But there is no sign right now that the greatest coach of all time is going to have a coaching home in 2024. Kind of reminds you of, like, Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight, old school coach, jerk. Great basketball coach, right? Coached it the coached the game to be played the right way. Whether or not he coached the right way is a different conversation. But coached the game to be played the right way. But at the end, his message just started to feel deaf. Then, of course, he was kicked out by Indiana. Had some success at Texas Tech, but it wore on people. And then that was it. We, you know, we didn't hear from the general after that. And and obviously, Bobby Knight passing away recently. It feels like. 
the grumpiness of Bill Belichick does not jive well with 2024 NFL. It really, to me, doesn't. And not only does his attitude and and his grumpiness not play well today, Bill Belichick, great coach, terrible general manager, terrible assessment assessor of talent. I mean, look at all of the picks that have been complete busts in New England. All of them. Does anybody want to give up all of that control? Because you're not going to come in and Bill's going to be the head coach and that's it. You hire Bill, he's going to have control of your organization. ESPN's Michelle Smallman from Unsportsmanlike Weekday Mornings right here on ESPN Des Moines says you got to give up a lot just to have Bill come in. When you're hiring Bill Belichick, it's not the same as hiring another candidate for two reasons. One, you know you're likely not going to have the amount of time with him that you would with someone else based on his age. It's just a fact. And the other thing is he's going to command a certain level of control that a lot of other coaches are not. He's going to want to come in. He's going to want to bring his people. He's going to want to do it his way. And that likely means people who are currently employed are likely out of a job. And you're going to have to upend and disrupt your entire operation operation for a short amount of time. And even though the Falcons seemed like a good fit for Belichick, I think at the end of the day, you're looking at a situation where you're saying to yourself, do I have the guts to do this, to make all of these wide sweeping changes for this person for this short of a time? If that happens, you have to have a championship basically in that window. And that's a really hard thing to stomach. I don't even know if it would have been a good fit for him in Atlanta. I know we have one Falcons fan in our office. It's super weird. We got one Falcons fan in our office who probably would have loved it. A lot more he loves Raheem Morris as his new head coach. Because, again, it's Bill Belichick, six Super Bowls. But I I just don't know if Belichick can come in and can make your program, make your team a Super Bowl contender. And let's say, because you're not going to, he's not going to go to a good team. He's obviously going to one of these trash teams that, you know, the Panthers hired Dave Canellis. Walk down the street right now, wherever you're, you're, you're listening to us. Ask six sports fans, who's Dave Canellis? He's the former offensive coordinator for Tampa Bay. That is who got a six-year contract to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Their owner, David Tepper, won't let that dude last three years. He's going to be gone in a year and a half. You watch. They're going to wind up being, they're going to wind up paying about six coaches. The dude's a billionaire, so who cares? But Tepper's going to wind up paying about six NFL coaches because he's a terrible owner, doesn't stick with anybody, makes bad hires, and now Dave Canales, not Bill Belichick. He chose not to give the job to the GOAT. He gave it to Dave Canales. But why? He's got a young quarterback. He's got a young team. Is that team going to win in two years? Remember, Bill's going to turn 72 coming up in April. And I go back to the Brady-Belichick split. When Brady was done, he leaves, and people thought, they'll be fine. They got Mac Jones or whatever. Bill Belichick can win without Tom Brady. I believe, and this is not blowing sports talk analysis out of the water here, most of the time, quarterbacks are more valuable than coaches. If you have a stud quarterback, you value that quarterback Way more than you value your head coach. Case in point, back in 2016, I remember watching this. This was when when Jason Whitlock was actually tolerable because he's absolutely the worst now. But when Jason Whitlock was tolerable, he hosted a show. I think it was called Speak for Yourself. And he had Terry Bradshaw on. 
And this was in 2016. Aaron Rodgers was still the quarterback in Green Bay. Mike McCarthy was still the head coach in Green Bay. And there were, they were, there was rumors of infighting. This was the beginning, the beginning of the end of Mike McCarthy's tenure in, uh, in Green Bay. And so, well, it was still a couple of years removed, but you knew there was beef between Rodgers and McCarthy, right? So what happens? They ask Bradshaw about who you would side with. Okay, remember, we're talking about Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Here's Terry Bradshaw. If I were going to get rid of one of the two, who would I get rid of? You ready? I get rid of Rodgers. I'm going to keep a great coach. I think that guy is a great what coach. What did you just say? You heard what I said. That's, I just, mm. You heard what I said. I think McCarthy is one of those coaches <laughs> that you absolutely hang on to, especially now if you look at Rodgers. And how, well, how old is he now? 32, 33? Yeah. If it got down to that, Mike, you buy that, you'd pick a coach over. Doesn't a Doesn't matter what Mike Mike says. It doesn't matter what. Terry said it. it don't, don't, I, I don't. I love Terry. I don't no. want to push back. I think you're crazy. Well, I may be crazy. But I, he's been called worse. I just, he's been called worse. I right just, there. yes. I just think. I just think an organization will endure and last longer if they've got a great coach. Disagree completely. Disagree completely. McCarthy was gone a year later. The, the Packers got rid of Mike McCarthy a year later, and what did Rodgers do? Went on to play well, won two MVPs, brought in a new head coach. Quarterback is the most important. That was back in 2016, if you're just joining us. Quarterback is the most important position in sports. You can find a coach. Rodgers won MVPs with McCarthy. Rodgers won MVPs with Matt LaFleur. Tom Brady leaves. The Patriots go into a nosedive. Had the one year where they went to the playoffs. 29 and 38 without Tom Brady in New England. What did Brady do? He won a Super Bowl in his first year. In his first year with Bruce Arians as his head coach down there in Tampa. Something that all those other quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, name your quarterback, could not do in Tampa. I I just feel like the clock is running out on Bill Belichick as a head coach. And I know that's blasphemy. But I don't think anybody wants him. I don't think anybody wants to give up control. And I think at his age, it just might be over. We'll wrap it up with Ravens and Chiefs. Guess who's going to be active on Sunday? If you missed it, I'll tell you next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your uh, Friday. Hello, if you're streaming us on uh, the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, what's going on? Um, so we got two football games this week, and we've talked a lot about the Lions and the 49ers. And then there's the old AFC Championship game, and here you go. You've got Andy Reid. Back in the AFC title game, Patrick Mahomes, back in the AFC title game, did something he had never done, went on the road in the playoffs. They beat Buffalo, beat up a beat-up Buffalo football squad. And as they like to say, here's an old cliche that everybody likes to say. Well, these Ravens, it's a different animal. This is a different beast. They've got the MVP in Lamar Jackson. They've got that great running game. 
with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> They've got that passing game with Lamar Jackson. And then that defense is top two, three in like every statistical category in the NFL. This, I mean, what we all really want to see, regardless of who you root for, if you took your fan, your, your Lions hat off and your Niners hat off and you took off your Ravens hat, your Chiefs gear, the matchup we want is Ravens-Niners, right? Like, for the two best teams to play. That's why they're the one seeds. But I, there are two things I always, I always live by. I think I told you this last week. There are two rules in sports I go by. One, don't ever write Gonzaga in the middle of your bracket. You're gonna, you won't win your pool, all right? You just won't. It's never going to happen. Gonzaga is never going to win a championship, okay? Their schedule is too soft. They're not battle-tested. Don't ever put your faith in Gonzaga in your bracket. The other is don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Don't bet against the future GOAT when it comes to playoff time. So this matchup is awesome. Just purely Lamar versus Mahomes. A guy with a couple of MVPs. A guy who's about to have a couple of MVPs. A guy with two Super Bowl rings. A guy who is still searching for his very first Super Bowl ring. Like, this thing is dripping with excitement. What is Kansas City going to do? How are they going to slow Lamar Jackson down? What, are they, what is Chris Jones going to do on the other side of the ball? What's Mahomes going to do? Because the Bills' defense sucks. So that's why he had such a good game. And the defense, the, the, the offense actually looked like it's supposed to. Pacheco ran hard. But this is Baltimore, man. This is smash mouth. This is going to be really, really fun. I can't wait for this one coming up on Sunday. Odell Beckham Jr. Hasn't had a great year. He's had a good year. I'm not sure if he's been worth $15 million, but he says right now it's Lamar Jackson's time. I don't feel that Lamar feels pressure. And it's just certain people encounter certain moments in their lives where they're like in their flow state. It's their time, you know, and I feel like that's it's eighth time. You could just see it in his eyes. You could feel it in his aura, his energy. He's solid, man. He's locked in. So I play in several fantasy football leagues, and I know there is no better topic on the radio than for someone to talk about their fantasy team, right? So I'm in this league. It's a guillotine league, and basically one team, the low team, is chopped, and that team's players become free agents up for auction, right? It's my, my favorite league that I play in. And so I play in it, and about week nine, I got eliminated because Mark Andrews on the fourth play from scrimmage, kind of like Rodgers, whatever, broke his something. I don't even remember what the injury was for Mark Andrews. But I remember when he got hurt in that game. It was a Thursday night game. And I remember watching. I'm like, I'm in trouble. Because I depend on, you know, you depend on when you have a stud tight end. You used a high draft pick on him. I depend on Mark Andrews to get me 15 points. And I would have been fine if he doesn't get hurt. But Mark Andrews got hurt. But guess who got activated today? Mark Andrews, the, I don't know, second, third best tight end in the National Football League. There's so many good ones now. Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson's favorite target is back. Chris Canty from Unsportsmanlike weekday mornings here on ESPN Des Moines on Lamar, I'm sorry, on Mark Andrews' impact. Mark Andrews has led the league in red zone touchdown reception since he's got there. So we all know that he is a dynamic threat, but I think he allows the Ravens offense to be more multiple in terms of their personnel groupings. And go back and look at the divisional round win that the Chiefs had. 
they struggled when it came to the Buffalo Bills going big on the offensive side personnel. of the ball. Yeah. 12 personnel, 12 XL, bringing in an extra yeah. offensive lineman. They played bully ball mm-hmm. with the Kansas City Chiefs front seven. If you've got Mark Andrews, now you can go out there and play that 12 personnel, not lose a lot in terms of the run game and being able to maul at the line of scrimmage, but also have a guy that could be a matchup problem when the Kansas City Chiefs try to match your big personnel. The uh, the question is, is Mark Andrews going to be at game speed? Obviously, he's been off for like two months, maybe longer. The answer is probably not. But can he give you something? Right now at DraftKings, Mark Andrews is a plus 240 anytime touchdown scorer. If you want to put that in your back pocket when you're getting ready to make your way. I'm not saying do it. I don't give gambling advice. I suck at it. Although I went 4-0 and against the spread last week. But uh, I would just say give Mark Andrews. Red zone touchdown plus 240. It's pretty good value, I think, on the uh, the old DraftKings. Other side of the ball, Andy Reid trying to figure out how in the heck do you stop or even slow down Lamar Jackson. I always had a ton of respect for him from the time he got in the league on. He's playing good football. He's been doing it all year and has just carried it into the playoffs. Yeah. The league is lucky to have these young quarterbacks that are they're so good, talented. They've got a good team around him, and he's good. And so you, you figured somewhere we were going to be playing him once or twice. Playoff Lamar is dead. First couple of years when Lamar would get to the playoffs, he would be miserable. Bad passes, turning it over. Look like a young guy, kind of a deer in headlights feel. Last week, and especially in the second half, Lamar Jackson against Houston, and Houston's going to be part of the next, you know, four or five years or whatever. But last week against Houston, man, Lamar Jackson was awesome. If you just watch football for one weekend, there's no doubt that that dude is the MVP. He's just, what he does, how quickly he can read a defense and then assess, okay, I got to take off. And then, he's gone. Like, you... The thing about Lamar, too, is he's so fast and explosive out of the gate, that quick twitch. He doesn't have to make a move till he's nine yards down the field. You know, and usually, like with a running back, they have to get, get to the line of scrimmage. If there's a hole, there's a linebacker coming up or a safety coming up. Because of a pass play, everybody's taken out of the middle of the field or a direction of the field where maybe Lamar's looking to run. Nobody's within five yards of Lamar until he's 10, 15 yards already down the field. If Kansas City is going to slow Lamar down, they have to collapse that pocket early. They cannot let plays develop. Chris Jones has to wreak havoc on the inside. Easier said than done. But you have got to make, you have to speed up Lamar Jackson. And and don't, don't give him time to assess. Don't give him time to find the right hole. Don't give him time to find a gap where he can run. They have to speed things up and make it too fast for Lamar Jackson, if that's even possible. Patrick Mahomes on the other side, though, won't be facing Lamar head-on. He'll be facing the rest of that uh, Ravens defense. They're going to play physical. They're going to play fast. They're going to play hard. And they have a lot of pride in defense. Uh, I mean, obviously, they have the offense, and they, they've put up a lot of numbers over these last few years. Um, but if you think about the Ravens as defense, and they're going to fly around and try to dictate tempo, that's just who they are. And so it's our job is to go out there and, and play our game, play fast, play physical as well. Um, and match their tempo, it's going to be a great challenge. I'm excited for it. I mean, I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But at the same time, this is what you want at this point in the playoffs. It almost feels like this number of Baltimore minus four and only being minus four is recency bias. Like, you watch Kansas City play all year. They're miserable on offense. They're hard to watch, which is not something you normally see out of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. But they're miserable on offense. Travis Kelsey forgot how to catch the football. MVS never really knew how to catch the football. They were banking on 
Rashi Rice, the stud rookie, he had a really good year. The running game was up and down, and it was Hilaire, and it was uh, uh, Pacheco. Pacheco had 97 yards or whatever last week. Like, they flipped a switch against Baltimore, against Buffalo's defense. But it feels like that number, and again, I wouldn't give you much gambling advice, but I would love, I, if I'm betting Kira, our producer's paycheck, I'm be, I would bet on Baltimore to cover that four. It just feels like there's a lot of recency bias, even though the Kansas City Chiefs have a very good defense. Let's hear from their defensive coordinator. I love listening to Spags. They are different quarterbacks. You know, what we want to do to them might change a little bit. I don't want to dive too deep into it, but he's just like, if you, you put the film on, I mean, it's like, okay, how, how do you defend that? It's another one of those, right? Because there's some things he does that nobody else does. And uh, the, the best thing we can do is try to try to contain him as best we can. To me, the best thing we did last week, if we can, if we could do this again, which is hard to do, is limit the explosive passes. I mean, I think that helps us, you know, then it makes him kind of matriculate down the field. We certainly need to defend this quarterback better than we did last week to make things go the way we want. And they actually defended Josh Allen. Okay. Under 200 yards passing, under 100 yards rushing. They, they did a decent job on Josh Allen. Straight up, I'm going to take both home teams. Numbers-wise, I'll take the Lions in the seven. I'll take Baltimore to cover. But don't take my betting advice, all right? Thanks to Jeff Rieger from 97.1. The ticket for joining me out of Detroit. Enjoy Champ Weekend. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. My name is Mike Wickett. Thank you for listening to ESPN Des Moines.